go ahead and turn back to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to pick up right where we left off last week. Um, I'm not going to lie, this isn't even part of the sermon, really. It's not a part of the sermon at all. I may accidentally break into like a song from The Greatest Showman because we've been listening to that album a whole lot. But it's so good, guys. If you haven't listened to any of that, it's so good. Half those songs are like worship songs. I, I firmly believe. We're gonna, I'm going to find the connection so I can have a reason to play them. Anyways, sorry. Aside, I've just had those songs rolling in my head and I can't get them out. So if I start singing something that you don't know, it's probably from that. Anyways, uh, so, okay, here it is. I don't want amens on this first one because it'll hurt my feelings. Um, I know that I am a hard person to love sometimes. Thank you. It was like, no, that's not true at all. No, I know that I'm a hard person to love sometimes. I'm sar- I'm sarcastic. I, I, I like Alabama football. I know that's hard to love. Um, and I defiantly stand by my statement that the word is pronounced caramel and not caramel. It is spelled caramel. There is an A, not caramel. So no. This is a thing that it's been a family struggle we've been going through lately. So I know that I am not always lovable. And I also know that the church is not always filled with people who are lovable, are not easily lovable. And I can tell you why. Because the church is filled with people. And people are not always, and most times are not, lovable. Because we are sinners. The church is filled with broken people who have lots of problems, who don't get along with the problems that the other people in the church have. And it's, and it's really easy to be like, I don't like any of you guys. I'm, not me, personally. I love all of you. But I'm just saying, like, it's easy to fall into that trap of, like, it is really hard to think I'm going to go through life with these people. I have nothing in common with some of these people. We don't like the same things. We don't, we don't appreciate the same kind of music. We don't appreciate the same kind of movies. Or we don't appreciate reading the same way. Or we don't appreciate doing the same thing. Some people are active and outdoorsy. And some people like to sit in their house and watch TV or whatever. Like, we're all different types of personalities. And sometimes our personalities make it really easy for us to uh, butt heads or just become really frustrated with one another. I know that we all have different things that about us sometimes that are not super lovable. But this is the cool thing. The cross makes a way for us to become people who love one another through whatever it is that we're going through, through whatever differences in personality or whatever preferences we may have. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to kind of continue this conversation that we've been having where where John is instructing the church is saying, look, I think you guys are saved. And I'm going to tell you what it looks like if you are, so that you can feel more confident in your salvation. None of what what John is trying to say is a message to unbelievers saying, you have to do this thing so that God will love you. That's not the message. The message continues to be, I'm speaking to a group of believers, telling them, here's what it's going to look like if you're saved. Here's what you're going to do. Here are the things you're going to say. Here are the ways you're going to act. And this week, he's going to kind of double down and get even more specific and talk about the way that we love one another being a key evidence for our salvation. So if you're in John chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 7. He 
says, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So the first thing we have to look at is, what is John saying? How can this be a, a, an old commandment? This is something you've heard before, but it's brand new. right? Is, is, John, is John contradicting himself here? Is he confused? Is he an old man? He is an old man, but he's not a crazy old man to the point that he's writing things that don't make sense. So he says, he says to the church, and, and he has, and he has this, this name that he calls him. He'll call him sometimes, he'll call him my children. He'll call him beloved. He's kind of, he's kind of referencing how he feels about the church. He, he so loves the church and wants them to know this truth and wants them to, 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 to live the way that they are called to live as the body of Christ. But he says, this is an old commandment. This is something that you have heard before. This is nothing that is new to you. This, this command to love one another. Uh, it comes from Leviticus 19. It says in lots of other places, but Leviticus 19 verse 18 is a great one. It says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And so, and so what John is saying is, you've heard this command your whole life. You grew up in this. Even, even before Jesus was here, you have heard this command that you should love one another. You should be loving people who are loving each other through whatever. Through whatever frustration or, or discord or whatever pain you may be feeling in your relationship, you should love one another. This is, this is something that, that should be second nature to you at this point. So what does he mean when he says, but at the same time, this is a brand new thing. This is something completely new that you've never heard before at the same time. Well, because for the first time, this side of the cross, after Jesus was here, after Jesus came and, and, and laid his life down so that we could be saved, after he accomplished all of his work on the cross, defeating sin, and then defeating death by being raised again, once that had happened, the ability to love each other was made completely new. We could actually love each other the way that Christ loves us because, because now Christ has made it possible for us to be brought back into the family of God, be given a new heart, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, and so it's something that we've known forever. You've always heard, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. you know, like, all these things, all these, all these things that we teach our kids or we've heard as we were growing up, you know, to your friends, you know, love each other, be nice, play, get along well, those sorts of things. This is not something that's new, but what is new is that now we can actually do it. Because of what Christ has done, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, our ability to love each other in a holy way, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is now actually made possible. So no, it's not something that the church hadn't heard before, but it's now something that when, when they're given this command... You know, love your neighbor as yourself. 
It actually is a possibility. It's actually something that we can do. We can actually love each other with the heart of Christ because we have Christ living within us. The cross has made it possible for us to know love and to love well. And John really doubles down. He really makes sure that we get this point. Because let me look at verse 8. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing you, which is true in him and in you. And here's what he says. Here's where he says it. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. What Jesus accomplished on the cross actually defeats sin, actually destroys that, that broken relationship that we have with God, makes it possible for us to be together with Christ in communion with him so that we can love. That thing that tears us apart, that thing that keeps us from being able to love one another, that thing that, that, that causes all of this stress and discord and all these arguments and these things that we don't like, all these differences that we have are, are slowly going away now because sin has been defeated by the cross. He's wanting us to see and appreciate just what Jesus had done. Because of his great love with which he loved us, we can now know that love. We can now receive that love. He gives that love to us. He shows that love to us. And now that we have that love in us, we can love others in that same way. Because of the cross, we will love others. And this is why I say this is a natural continuation of kind of what we talked about last week, where we were saying... If you are a believer, if you abide in God, if you, if you are in the church, if you are a believer, you will obey the commands of God. And we said, we're not saying it's the other way around. If you obey the commands of God, then you get to be in. You're not working your way in. You're not fighting your way in through your good works to receive, to receive salvation. But, but remember, John is speaking to the church. He is speaking to believers, just like I am speaking to you. People who, for the most part in this room, profess Jesus as your Savior, trust Him, have been baptized into the church. This is a message for you. If that is who you are, you will obey His commands. You will love others. This is a thing that will naturally and necessarily come out of you as a result of your being Saved. And this is an idea that John will continue to come back to throughout the book. So we're not going to go super deep into it because I don't want to like I don't want to like hit it too hard over and over again to the point that we you know start to miss so that we miss some of the points of what he's trying to make here here this week. But we're going to come back to this and, and, and this idea is one of the reasons that we picked this book to study because I just think. And, and we talked about this when we were discussing, you know, what do we want to teach next? Where do we want to go next? Is that we as a church really could stand. And by we as a church, I don't mean globally. I mean like Christ Reconciled Church. I mean like right here in this building. We as a church could stand to learn to love better. Stand to learn to love each other better. Stand to learn, learn to love other people better. We could be, we could be more Christ-like in the way that we love people. So as we go on, what we're going, to, we're going to keep reading here. John's going to kind of continue to remind us that we are saved, that we know this is true. This really is something that is true of us. It's not something that we should be doubting. 
Um, and he wants to re reinforce our confidence in our salvation. So if you want to go ahead and keep, keep looking in chapter 2 and pick up in verse 12. He says, I am writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. So who's he talking to? Why does he keep saying fathers and young men and children? John is trying to address the heat, this message of this, this reinforcing your confidence, your salvation, this, this, this call to love, all of these things that you're saying. This is a message for everyone in the church. When he's talking about fathers, he's talking about people who have been in this for a while. They're a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned maybe. They, they, they've been around the church. They've been in this for a while. They've, they've seen lots of things happen. Uh, children, people who are new to this, people who have just who've just been out of the church, people who are still just barely beginning to understand what the Word of God actually means and what it looks like to live a life that looks like Jesus. And then the young man is talking to people who are like still younger than the old guys, so they're probably a little bit stronger, probably a little bit more active, probably got a little bit more, more aggression. But, but he's talking to people who, who've been in it long enough that they're able to go out and do things, but they still have this... This useful energy with which they can kind of carry. So basically what he's saying is anywhere you might be in the spectrum of Christianity, whether you've been at this for five minutes or five decades, he wants you to know that your sins are forgiven because Jesus has done this. He wants you to feel confident that you know God and God abides with you. You know the Father. You know him who is from the beginning. The Word of God abides in you. You have you have overcome the evil one. He's saying all of these things over and over and over again in a very repetitive nature, in a very kind of poetic nature, because he really wants the church to know. I'm not saying that if you're not doing these things, it's because you're not saved. What I'm trying to say is be confident in your salvation and let it look, let your life look like you're actually saved. He's like, I am writing to a group of people who are in Christ. I'm, and this is the way that I felt as I was prepping this. I am talking to Christ Reconciled Church, to CRC, to a group of people that I genuinely believe are filled with the Holy Spirit. Be confident in your salvation. Trust that Jesus really is at work in you. Sure, you may not be living out all of these things perfectly at this point. But, but, but be confident in your salvation and let the things that are supposed to flow out of your salvation come out of you. Let, let that desire to obey the commands of God, let, 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 let that show. Let that, let that be true of you. We're going to talk, keep talking about loving other people. Let that be something that you are driven to. Because you are confident that Jesus has saved you. And that you trust him. And, and that you believe him to be faithful in your life. Don't, don't doubt that. That's what, that's what John's trying to say. Don't doubt who you are. You are in Christ. And so now you can confidently live your life as Christ would desire for you to live it.
You have seen God work miraculous things in your life, in this place. Just, just during the, what, five, whatever years we've been a church, we've seen God do so many amazing things in this small place with this small group of people. And so own that, love that, trust that he really is that powerful and that faithful to do those things. And then live your life in such a way, love people in such a way that demonstrates your confidence in your salvation. That demonstrates that you, you really genuinely believe the things that he's saying are true of you. Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. I debated on whether or not I wanted to add this section in this week, and I decided it was important to because I wanted to make this big point. Because, because if the way that we love each other is such a key demonstrator of our salvation, is such an important key to what does it look like to be saved, what does it look like to actually be living out what Christ is made, making us into, then we need to make this point really early. We all love. We all love something. We just don't all necessarily love the right thing. Right? Because that's the point that he's making. He's saying you need to love one another. You need to love each other like Christ loves you. And you need to not love the things of the world. Because, because those are the two things. Like, we were created to love, right? One of, one, of God's, one of God's aspects we talked about months ago when we were talking about what we believe about God. It, one of the things that God is is God is love. He's, he's a lot of other things at the same time. But, but when he created us to be his image bearers, to be like God, to look, to represent God within his creation, one of the things that he created us to be is lovers. We are supposed to love, and we were made to love. The problem is, when sin entered the world, our love was misplaced. We started loving, we started loving things that God didn't want us to love. We started loving ourselves. We started loving, we started loving all sorts of things that are not God, or the things of God. And so we all love something. You are always, and I challenge you to, to come, with, come up with some, some time in your life where you're not actively loving something. At any moment, you are loving something. If you're asleep, it's probably that you're loving sleep. So, so don't try to get me with, well, if I'm asleep, I'm not loving something. Yes, you are. You love your, you love your comforter. You love your pillow. Right? You love something. But it's the thing that you're loving. Are you loving something because it's giving you something? It's making you happy? Are you loving something that, that is just going to build you up and make you feel more comfortable or make you whatever? Or are you, or are you loving someone in the way that Christ loved you, in the way he, he gave himself up for you? Are you loving somebody beyond Beyond just to get something back for yourself, but because, because you want to sacrificially set aside some manner of comfort, something that you have, so that you can demonstrate the love of Christ for somebody else? Are you loving beyond yourself, outside of yourself? 
here's the thing. We, we all love something, but I think there are parts, points in our lives where we don't really understand what love is. Like we are loving something, but we just don't understand that we're loving something or placing our love in a bad place. Um, I mean, I know I didn't when I was younger. Uh, some of you will have heard this story. Some of you will have not. Um, so I broke up with Tiff two times while we were dating. Both times it was because she was just awful, right? I like that you all laugh because you know that's not true, right? First time doesn't really count. That wasn't a real breakup. I think we, I think it was like, I want to break up. You want to hang out later? Like that was kind of how the conversation went. It was, I didn't, I was idiot. Sorry. And then I kind of re-idioted the next year when I tried. That was that was more of a real breakup. And it was like, I think I'm doing, I'm breaking up for the right reasons. I need to totally break up. This is not good. We need to not be together. And really, it was just I was, I was in love, but with myself. And it took two or three months. I don't remember how long it was for me to finally get hit with this realization. Oh man, I'm just super selfish, and I'm wanting more me time to go do the things I want to do. And I don't want, I don't want to be tied to somebody. And there's all this, all this selfishness, all this love for myself that. That, that was driving me to push her away. And it was because I didn't understand what real love was. I loved me more than I loved the idea of doing something that was right or doing something that was good or doing something that God wanted me to do. And it took me a little while to realize that. Um, because obviously, I know where God really wanted me to be. But everywhere we turn, Everybody we talk to are people made in the image of God who were made to love. That may not realize that they were made to love God. May not realize they were made to love the people of God. May not realize they were made to, to love being around the people of God. That was what they were created for. So there are people everywhere we turn who love all sorts of things. And they are people who... who do not understand love, but they are people who, who need love and who need to know love. And they don't know love. I mean, think about think about some of the kids who come in here from around the neighborhoods, right? Um, I'm stealing this from my trauma-informed care training that I got. Those kids, right now, their brains are developing. And they're being trained right now. Their, their brains are learning what, what love is based on the environment that they're growing up in. Right? As of right now, their, their understanding and the, and the things that are going to shape the way that they respond to whatever they face 15, 20 years from now is being formed based on the way that they're learning to understand love right now. I don't know what every, every family's Situation is in this neighborhood. But I would venture to guess that a lot of them are getting a really bad picture of what real love is. Maybe they're learning that love comes through really loud yelling. Maybe they're learning that love comes through some sort of physicality. Maybe they're learning that love comes through complete abandonment and being ignored and just being left to go do whatever they want to do and run around wherever they want to go 
without somebody being concerned as to where they are or when they'll be home. Maybe that's what they're learning about love because the only really close relationships that they have aren't showing them what the love of God actually looks like. So they're learning, this is what I should desire, this is what I should want, and it's going to inform a lot of the ways that they live their lives later on as they grow up. Like, like we were called to be in this place for some reason. And I think part of that reason is so that we can, as the church, love people in the way that God wants us to love others. So that they can understand what true love actually looks like. We have an important role to play in the lives of people who are around us. In the lives of your family. In the lives of of your co-workers or in, in the lives of the families that are around here that we may know or some of them we don't know yet. But there are a bunch of people, so many people around us right now who don't actually understand what love is. They love something, but they don't know that what their love is actually the world. And by the world, I mean you hear God so loved the world. That's the same thing as what John's talking about here when he's saying don't love the world. No, no, no. These are two different, two different uses of the word world. He's not talking about God's creation. He's not talking about don't love the creation of God. Don't, don't worship God because you look out and see all these things he's made. No, absolutely. Love that. He's not talking about the people in the world. Yeah, he absolutely wants us to love the people of the world. He wants us to love the nations. He wants us to see those people come to know Jesus. And he wants to see those people added to the church, added to the family of God. Absolutely. What he's talking about when he says... Don't love the things of the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those things that, that we go after because, because they make us feel good, or because, or because they, they satisfy some need that we have, that we are trying to find in everything we can other than complete and total surrender to God. There are so, so many kinds of things out there that we can love. And the thing is, so many of those things are things that were created by God and given to us so that we could experience all of the joys of his creation. But the problem is we, we, we take them and we exploit them for selfish reasons or we, or we use them out of context, out of the way that God desired for us to experience those things, whether it's... Whether it's, I mean, you've got to think of it this way. God creates food, but he, didn't, but he doesn't desire that we become gluttons. God, God creates sex, but he doesn't desire that that takes place outside of marriage. God created, God created families, but he also didn't desire that, that we treat our kids like we don't value them and don't love them. Like, all of these things are things that God created, and there's a, there's a way that we can demonstrate the love of God within those things. But, we don't always do that. And there are so many people in our lives, so many people around us, some people within a thousand foot radius of this building right now who aren't actually understanding what real love is. Who don't know what real love is, and are being taught... A broken picture, being shown a broken understanding of what real love is. 
And I think that's why it is so important and why John is so strongly suggesting that, that if you don't love your brother, if you don't love somebody around you, if you are not demonstrating the love of God, then the love of God is obviously not in you. Because that is a vital part of being a part of the family of God. If you know the love of God, you will show the love of God. If Jesus loves you as broken as you are, as broken as I am, having done whatever things you've done, whatever things I've done, and yet Jesus loves you, it should be simple for you who now understand what the love of God feels like. The mercy and grace of Jesus washing over you. It should, be, it should be second nature now to say, I want somebody else to see that. I want to demonstrate that. I want to love somebody with that love. Even if it's somebody that is hard to love. Because just like I said at the very beginning, we're all hard to love. Loving people is hard. Loving people uh, can feel dangerous. It can feel vulnerable because you're kind of having to put yourself out there and say, I'm going to be here for you even knowing that you might let me down or even knowing it might, it might come back to bite me. He doesn't say love each other when you know that it's going to work out well for you. He says love one another. Not when it's safe, not when it's convenient, not when it's easy, not when it doesn't take you away from other important things. He says love one another. He says in here, love your brother. And I think that, that it's important for us to know. I mean, it sounds like it needs to start within the church. We need to love each other within the church really well. Because those are the people who actually understand why we love each other. So we've got to love each other well within the church. We've got to speak, speak correctly to one another within the church. We, got to, we, have, to, we have to show the, we have to not be dismissive of, dismissive of one another within the church. We need to be concerned for each other's needs within the church. I mean, I think this is like a good training ground. I'm not saying that that should be in place of loving people outside the church, but, but it absolutely needs to be true of us within the church. We need to demonstrate the love of Christ to each other. But it's going to have to go beyond that. It's going to have to, I mean, that, that is the Great Commission. Like, going, it, it is because we so love God and because we so love other people that we want them to know this love that we know. Like, it is, it is one of our chief motivating factors for carrying out the Great Commission, for being obedient to what God has sent us out into, because we want people to understand the love of God. And what better way to help people understand the love of God than to love people with the love of God? And you may be thinking, that seems really hard. And it is. In fact, it's impossible for you to do it on your own, which is why he says... You can do this because Christ is in you, because you are saved, because the darkness is passing away, right? Because all of these things that Christ has accomplished on the cross, because it's done, it's now possible for you to love people who are unlovable with the love of Jesus Christ. It is possible for you to love one another within the church, even though we're basically a captive audience of a whole bunch of sinners every week. It is made possible because of what Christ has already done. I keep coming back to this idea 
that, that, that we're a bunch of unlovable people. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to talk, make you feel bad about yourself. Because like I said at the very beginning, I know that at many points, I am an unlovable person. I am hard to deal with. I, I, I get this. But, but I, I want us to understand just how amazing it was that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we are unlovable, while we have been doing the things that are so offensive to God that he ought to just destroy us and be done with us entirely. While we have been as unlovable, Christ demonstrated the greatest love for us, laying down his life so that he could bring us back into his family. And for most of us in here, we know that. We have experienced that. We, we feel that, and I want us to appreciate that. I want that to be reinforced, just like John's trying to say. No, this is true. This is real. This actually happened in your life. Be confident in it. And then love people with that same love. Confidently. With the same confidence that you have in your salvation. Go out and love people. And in doing so, demonstrate what it is that Christ has demonstrated to you. Let's pray.